But anyway, take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Doesn't the book of Acts have a lot of interesting, soul-winning stories? It's all about getting the gospel out. And if you want to become a strong Christian, see, all the epistles and things like that are written to those that have believed. But there wouldn't be any letters to the churches if somebody hadn't won those people to the Lord. You see, you can't have a saint. You can't build a Christian strong until somebody's won them. So somebody has to win them first. So that's where it all starts. Somebody reaching somebody. So I think it's a wonderful thing. But here in the book of Acts... And chapter 10, we talked this morning about Cornelius, a Gentile, and how that uh, he wanted to know the truth. And he prayed to the Lord. He did all the right that he knew to do. And I believe God is touched and moved. And so the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, sent him a vision and then told him what to do sent three men down to Joppa, which is about 30 miles away. And they went and, and saw Peter. And Peter let him stay there the night, Gentiles in his house. And um, the next day they went. And when they got to the household of Cornelius, it wasn't just him. It was he had a house full of them. He, he says, the, the Lord told me to send for you to have you tell me the words that I need to hear. So he preached to him the word. So I went over a little bit quick toward the end of the message this morning because I always like to get the gospel in at the end. But I want you to go back there to verse 33. The book of Acts chapter 10 and verse 33. Immediately, therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now the Bible says that when Peter heard the message, well, he, he did it also. He came. Now, therefore, are we all here, present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. You know, I wish all of God's people would all come together at the same time to hear what does the man of God have to tell them about the word of God. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody had that same hunger and drive and desire to know the will of God for their life? We won't know until we get to heaven to find out what our lack of studying the Word of God or the lack of praying or the lack of discipline has cost us. But Peter was a man that God was able to use. And God had already told him that I'm going to use you in a great way. And he says in the book of Matthew 16, I'm going to give to you the kingdom of heaven, the keys. And the keys is the gospel that unlocks the door. That let somebody in. You see, it's like you having the clear gospel. You have that which opens the door where people can see how to have eternal life. And God used them to bring the gospel to those that were there on the day of Pentecost. And then here to the Gentiles also. So um, God really used this individual. Did you know there was a time in Peter's life when he thought, I'm all washed up. I've really messed up now. God can't use me. After he had denied the Lord three times, then he says, I'm going fishing. And not only did he decide to go fishing, but he was an influential individual. They all went fishing. 
They fished all night. What'd they catch? Nothing. Jesus says, why don't you do this? And they did it. And then their nets were breaking because there were just so many of them. He had told them three and a half years earlier, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So they um, had a little talk with the Lord at the campfire. The Lord was talking to Peter and says, um, do you love me? He asked him that three times. I wonder why he said three times. You got any clue? How many times did he deny him? Well, I think that's one way of him to, you know, kind of get things right. Lord, you know I really love you. I really do. He said, I want you to feed my, feed my sheep. He didn't ask him if he loved his sheep, just asked him if he loved him. I don't have to ask you if you love souls. Do you love the Lord? Because if you don't love the Lord, you're not going to love people. And the only reason you really love people is that you love the Lord. And if you love the Lord and you love people, it's because you want them to have a burden for souls. You want people to have a burden for souls. I like that little statement that I read this morning from Dr. Seymour's book. You can't have a burden for souls if you don't have a burden for a soul. Well, I want to reach the multitude. Yeah, but what about just one? Can you nail one of them down? Can you just talk to one person? Did you know it's amazing that I've seen over the years one person becomes a link into a long chain and how they just kind of like domino. And next thing you know, you can reach thousands of people just because you reach one person. I've seen this over and over again. It's a great thing. But look what he says in verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. Now, as you go down through here, all the way down to verse 43, there's four main things that I want you to just to be aware of because it tells you the um, kind of a, like a, an outline that Peter uses in order to bring the gospel. You see, number one, in verse 34, we talks about God is not a respecter of persons. Is everybody a sinner? Everybody's a sinner. And it, it doesn't make any difference whether you're a Jew or Gentile. doesn't matter about your race or your color or language. It doesn't matter. God so loved the world. And that all are sinners. And that's why there's a message to be brought to them. The second thing that's mentioned here is in verse 39, where it talks about Christ died. Christ died. And when he died, of course, we know, and I believe that, Peter preached a lot more than what's mentioned right here. I don't believe that just 34 to 43 is the total, you know, message that he brought to them. I believe these are the highlights of his message. Do you believe that he would have went there and spent all that time, and, and, and you can read this in about two minutes? I believe he had a lot more to say, a lot more to teach. And so we don't have the total messages of all these men in the Word of God but there's enough here to give us the idea of what was said, the high points. Though there's a lot of things that's probably explained. Don't always think that you have to totally, fully understand every verse in the Bible. You don't. And you won't. So you just get some of the meat as you go and keep on a going. And it's amazing that what you don't get here, there's another verse down the road that explained that verse that you couldn't understand. So don't try to go too deep. Just stay simple. Just get what you can get and enjoy it. 
Don't get hung up on a gristle. You can stay there the rest of your life. Try to swallow it, and you can't chew it. It'll choke you to death. And people say, well, I tried reading the Bible, but I just can't understand it. So they quit. Well, the key is just go with what you can understand. You see, when you start off, you start off with milk, something that's real simple. And then when you develop your teeth, you can go back and eat some of these, the, the meat of the Word of God. And sometimes it takes a little while. You've got to get your wisdom teeth, you know. But look what he says. In uh, the next verse, uh, verse 40, it talks about Christ rose from the dead. So we have where Christ tells us in his word, yeah, all are sinners. God's not a respecter of persons. Everybody needs to hear the word. And that Christ died. And he died for us. And he rose again from the dead. Whereof he says they were all witnesses of this. And then he makes the statement there concerning, in verse 43, just believe. Just believe. Isn't that a simple little outline message? But as you read this, you may not see it at first value, but it's there. It, it's there. There's a lot of things woven in here and woven in there. But just like sometime when we give the gospel, uh, sometime I'll weave it through and I'll say parts of it. And then I'll say another part and then we'll weave some more and we'll get the other part of it. But when we get through, we want the lost man to know, look, God's not a respecter of persons. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. The Lord will save you. When he died on that cross, he died for you, for everybody. And then he came back again from the dead. And if you'll believe that what he did was for you, then God said he would save you and give you as a free gift, everlasting life. Now, there's some scripture here that I think is important to see. But look there in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Just hold your place here. But just go back here to John chapter 6. Because you can use these scriptures if uh, you say, well, I, I just don't understand the one statement there. And, but um, get what he says in verse 28. John chapter 6, verse 28. Then said they unto him, what shall we do? that we might work the works of God. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. This is what I want you to do. This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Well, that makes it kind of clear, doesn't it? Now go back there to the book of Acts in chapter 10. And notice what it says in verse 35. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now, worketh righteousness, I know you can say, now, is this talking about like Cornelius was trying to work righteousness? But if a man was doing that in seeking truth or seeking light, that's one thing. If a man's doing that depending or trusting in his righteousness, that is not acceptable with God. But God does accept the fact that he gives light to every man. He gives truth. And if any man will seek and follow truth, then it will lead to the source of truth. And that God is not a respecter of persons. And everyone who really wants to know, I believe, can hear the gospel and hear the truth. So he makes a statement here in verse 36. The word which was sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. 
Now, this peace is the peace of Jesus Christ, but it's also talking about a man can have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it talks about being justified before God. We have peace with God because we're justified. And I believe also when he says here in verse 37, that word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and you ought to underline this word, began. Began from Galilee. See, a lot of times Jesus was referred to as Jesus of Galilee. Jesus is who he claimed to be. It was his earthly name. And he was from Galilee. And that's where he began his ministry. But he says, from that time until the baptism of John, when he preached, all of that, evidently, he went through and he explained all these things. So he says, you know which was published throughout. In verse 30, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Remember I said one time, even when you're not winning somebody to the Lord, you can still go about just doing good. Just do good. Just do right. Not to get to heaven, but because you and I are God's children, and because God is good, and you and I should want to be like our Heavenly Father, we should do good. We ought to do good by our husband or our wives or the children or grandkids or people on your job. Everybody's having a rough time. Everybody has it difficult. There's no value in trying to be mean and ugly. Sometimes we are and we shouldn't be. But like he says here, he makes a statement, verse 39, And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. This is similar to the message that he preached over there in the book of Acts in chapter 2, uh, when by the time he got through, he says, but Christ was delivered by the determinate counsel of the Lord. But even though he allowed his son to die, it was because God had a plan, and he came back again from the dead. And so it's a, a lot of the same thing in the message. But remember, the most powerful point of all the statements made in the book of Acts is it was always about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, you and I are basing our eternal destination upon that truth. Not only did he die on the cross and was buried, he came back from the dead. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but no sign shall be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly, even so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he's coming back from the dead, see. And so that was a sign. And so everything that he said, everything he did, hinged upon him coming back from the dead. If Christ had not come back from the dead, there'd be no Christianity. There would be no salvation. He came back from the dead. So that is why it's so important. He says, and we were all there. We saw it from the very beginning of his ministry. We can testify to that. And it says he was crucified and buried and came back, whereof we're all witnesses of this. See, all we are is just witnesses. I just tell people what Christ did for me. I love giving my personal testimony. You know, I've had people ask me, how did, in the world did you get the name Yankee? Did you know I can go from Yankee to the gospel? I can talk about Colorado and get to the gospel. Anywhere you are in the whole world and every incident in life 
can always lead back to the gospel. It's amazing. But there's always a road back to the gospel. Because to me, it's the most important thing that ever happened in my life. That day when I trusted Christ as my Savior. And all I've wanted to do ever since is just to testify, to witness. And that's all I believe that I am. I'm just a witness, testifying about what God did for me. And somebody said, well, how do you know he saved you? I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. But look what he says down here in verse 41. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people. Did you know that command that came from the book of Matthew chapter 28? And he says, and teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So the command that Christ gave to his disciples was to be passed on to those that they reached and on to those that they reached. Did you know that you, you, you are commanded by God to witness? Now, you may not, but you're commanded. Like it or not, I didn't write the book. I'm just telling you what it says. You and I are under a command. We have been entrusted with the gospel. Now, let me make sure you understand this. We have Peter who works for us here in the ministry. We got James that works for us here in the ministry. Did you know that all those people that James leads to the Lord, he don't get all the credit for that. You say, why? Because we pay him. All those that get on Friday night soul winning, he don't get credit for all of those. We pay him. But you see why we want to pay these guys? Because they have fruit that abounds to our account. That's why we do it for missionaries. We want soul winners because it puts fruit to your account. You, when you get to heaven, if you support this church, you're supporting those soul winning efforts. Because simply, if James didn't win people to the Lord, I'd probably fire him. But he is a soul winner. Well, that was kind of strong, wasn't it? <laughs> He'll play St. Martin. Preach, I'll get on the ball. <laughs> but I want him to do what he's doing because I know that when he leads people to the Lord, he's doing it because he's got the time to do it. And we make it possible. And because he does such a wonderful job, we know that there's going to be fruit that abounds to the people who support this ministry. And whenever they go out on Friday night soul winning, you know they wouldn't be doing that if, if, if Peter didn't have, hadn't got that thing started. And you think about all those people. Or we have all those people who trust the Lord because of the radio. And just like this morning we had this guy come in here who trusts the Lord from listening to Hank on the radio. Years ago, back in the 80s, I think he said. How many of those guys are out there? How many are out there? Did you know all those people who gave and supported the radio ministry? There's fruit that abounds to their account. So that's why when you give, you're given to a soul-winning ministry because we've got soul winners here. And that's what makes it so important. And, and you're not wasting your time. You're not wasting your money. And even though you may give sacrificially and you have a lot of time, you don't have a lot of, to give, but you do it and you're faithful in doing it. And yet there'll be people that'll be in heaven because of what you did. You made possible 
You made it possible. And I think it's, uh, it's worthy to note that and to give you credit for that. But look what he says there in verse 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Isn't that a wonderful verse? That is a powerful verse. This is what the Old Testament prophets talked about, about the one that was going to come. You see, the word Christ meant the one that was going to make the payment for sin. He was to be the sacrifice, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so when he came and he died on the cross, paid for the sins of the world, you and I can have eternal life. And it says in verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. That means those who heard, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so this is to those who did hear. They heard it. They believed. Because you'll see over there in the following verse, that those that believed it in verse 17 of chapter 11, he says, For as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us, who did what? Who believed? So when, then we know that over there it's because they believed the word that they heard. And it says, and they were indwelt, and they spoke in languages. They spoke in tongues. And the word unknown is not mentioned here. In verse 45, it says, and they of the circumcision, that's those Jewish guys who came along with Peter to the household of Cornelius. And so the circumcision is to the Jews. And so here's these six Jews that went along, and they heard them speak. They understood and it says there, uh, they of the circumcision which believed, so these were believers, were astonished as many as came with Peter, those were the Jewish ones, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, this is the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. And it was to convince the unbelieving Jews. Here was some Jews who were already saved but didn't believe the Gentiles could have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or that they were supposed to reach Him. There's so much that God had to teach them. And when they heard, they believed that they had also been granted the gift of eternal life. And it says that in chapter 11. In verse 46, And they heard them speak with tongues, languages, and magnify God. So they not only heard, they knew what they were saying, and they knew that they were magnifying the Lord about whatever was saying. But it was the evidence or the proof that these Jews needed to know and hear. And remember, tongues was always for a sign. It was not a sign to the person that did the speaking. It was the ones that was a sign to the one that was doing the hearing of what they were saying. So he says here in verse 47, Can any man forbid water? that they should not be baptized. So evidently, somewhere along the line, they had to cover that issue. True, it doesn't say that, but evidently it did. But if you'll look there in chapter 10, and you'll notice where it talks about John the Baptist in verse 37, that word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And so if they listened and they heard the message that John preached, he baptized with water. Now take your Bible, hold it right here. But turn over there to the book of John in chapter 7. John and chapter 7. And you notice there's a verse there, verse 39, where it makes a statement. 
that on the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And as the scripture hath saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. So look up there in verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So whenever they did believe it, now it says that they were indwelt, received the Holy Spirit. And then they were water baptized. Now this is with the Apostle Peter. Now when you talk about the Apostle Paul, it's even still in the book of uh, Acts in chapter 19, where the Apostle Paul uh, is still doing it the other way. And there's a reason, but we don't have time for that now. We'll get into chapter 19 a little bit later. But go back there now to the book of Acts in chapter 10. So he says, what does hinder us from baptizing them? In verse 47, can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized? Which, and here's these two words, you need to underline it in your Bible. It's past tense. Have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Just like us Jews, these Gentiles have received the Holy Ghost. So you see, John the Baptist would baptize in water, saying, you need to believe on him who comes after me. Whose shoe latches, I'm not worthy to even bow down and tie shoes. He's coming after me, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. But I'm baptizing you with water. But I'm doing this because you believe the message that I preach about believing on him whom God has sent. So when they believed that message, they were baptized in water. But being baptized in water is a picture of your death, burial, and resurrection. So when you believe that Christ the Messiah is going to do this for you, you believe that and you were baptized in water. But it was a picture of the Holy Spirit baptism that they were going to receive later. So now after the cross, here we are. We trust Christ as our Savior. We are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. The very moment you trust the Lord. And whenever that happens, then God says we should be baptized in water. So this is the sequence that's used here. They heard the word, and they believed it. And they were baptized by the Holy Spirit, and then baptized in water. So he says here in verse 48, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Being baptized in the name of the Lord, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, is being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I always use the three names when I baptize somebody. But anyway, the issue was not over. There was still a problem. When they got back to Jerusalem, there were some people there that um, had a problem with Peter going to a household of Cornelius, a Gentile. So in verse 1, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, the Jews, contended with him. In other words, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? In other words, they faced him with this issue. Don't you know that Jews don't do this? So now he has to tell what happened again. 
So he says in verse 3, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised, those Gentiles, and did eat with them. See those two things. But Peter, in verse 4, rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them and said. So now he's starting at the beginning again, and he got to go through everything all over again. Now, whether or not he says more and explains more than what we do in the other places, we don't know. But we are told enough to get the understanding. Don't always try to understand everything and try to make something out of everything in the scriptures. It'll blow your mind. If you can even just skim the surface, it's more than you can handle, I assure you. But he makes a statement here in verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying, minding my own business, on my house top, in my own house. And in a trance, I added all of that. That wasn't in the, that's not in the original. And in a trance, I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend. As it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowl of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. You see, this illustration is where those Jews that he was trying to explain this to, this is where they were. Not so, Lord. And he says, God had to teach me by this example. How do you think they were ever going to fulfill the Great Commission if somewhere along the line they didn't believe that those outside the realm of Judaism was acceptable. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Only to the Jews. <laughs> somewhere along the line, something hadn't connected yet. But Lord, we're working with them. And so he says in verse 11, And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Do you see why? In the transition period between the dispensation of law and the dispensation of grace, God had to intervene in a special way and perform miracles, and angels had to come, and people had to go into trances, because nobody had ever done what God wanted done. God was having to work on these individuals. God had to establish some things so that they would believe that what he said was true. Otherwise, those Jews probably never would have left. Do you realize what God had to do to Jonah just to get him to go to Nineveh? So he says here, verse 14, Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? It's by the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, you say, well, I just want to live my life in front of people. Well, that's called lifestyle evangelism. 
only thing that's wrong with it is it doesn't work. It doesn't tell a man how to go to heaven. I don't care how holy you live, how much money you give, how much you pray. Nobody can get saved by watching how you live. They still don't know about Christ. They won't know about his death on the cross. They won't know about his resurrection. They don't know about the power of forgiveness that can have eternal life. How can they know all of that? By watching a man how he lives. Faith cometh by hearing. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. So he says, we preach the word. In verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us. As on us, the Jews. At the beginning, the first time this ever happened was on the day of Pentecost. So that's why it's the baptism of the Jews and also the Gentiles. When we talk about, and it makes a statement in the book of Romans in chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I, I believe that my goal in life is not to the Jew first. I believe that what God is saying, that he's already went to the Jew first. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He went to them again in the book of Acts, and Stephen was stoned. They still rejected. So yes, they did go to the Jew first in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and even in Samaria. And even when the Apostle Paul became the preacher to the Gentiles, everywhere he went, he would always go to the, Gen uh, to the synagogue. And then afterwards, he went to the Gentiles. You see, you and I, I don't believe that I have a command from God. That it's, it's to the black man first, and then the Hispanic, and then the Indians, and then the white man. No. It's not to the Jew first. And then to the Gentiles. No, it was to the Jew first. But now it's also to the Gentiles. So I believe that I, don't, I am not a respecter of persons. I don't care if the man is a Jew, an Arab, an Indian, Spanish. I don't care what he is. If I get an opportunity to talk to him, I just want to talk to him about the Lord. Nothing else matters. Because I don't think we are supposed to be a respecter of persons. We should love the world just like God does. Be willing to reach anybody and everybody any way we can. So he made this statement here. In verse 16, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. This is because he heard him say this in Acts chapter 1. Right before the day of Pentecost. And so this is a fulfillment of not only what happened on the day of Pentecost, but also now with the Gentiles. Hold your place right here and look there in the first Corinthians in chapter 12. First Corinthians and chapter 12. First Corinthians in chapter 12, and look there in verse 13. Verse 13 says, For by one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit? So we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ.
So God is taking believing Jews and believing Gentiles and putting them together and forms the church. It's a wonderful thing. Now go back there to these last two verses in Acts chapter 11. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I should withstand God? This is a statement to these ones that wanted to contend with him. Because see, God had to do a work in these Jewish people's minds because of how they were thinking and their tradition. And then he says in verse 18, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance under life. Granted is past tense. And up there, who believed is past tense. So they had already believed it and received it and had been given eternal life. Just take very quickly before we close, look in the book of Acts chapter 15. Chapter 15. Because the question came down about the Jews and the Gentiles. And they were saying that we need to put those Gentiles underneath the Jewish law and make them keep the law and to be circumcised. So it says in verse 7, And when there had been much disputing, Peter, Peter, rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the, what? Gospel. So we know that when Peter went, he preached to them the gospel. And what else? And believe. In verse 8, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us Jews. And get this, verse 9, Put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts, and you ought to underline these two words, by faith. And then get this, verse 10. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke of works upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? They had the law for 1,500 years and never kept the law. Why would you want to put that upon the necks of the disciples? And try to get the Gentiles to live as do the Jews when the Jews couldn't live good enough for it. So he says in verse 11. Verse 11, you ought to underline it in your Bible. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, us Jews, we shall be saved even as they, just like the Gentiles. I love the way that's turned around. But anyway, I believe the book, it's clear, it's simple, and I don't think it's that hard and complicated to understand. But as you go through this, doesn't it seem like this whole thing is about the gospel? It's about witnessing, people trusting the Lord. It's like that's, that's all it's about. But, you know, unless you're strong in the Lord, you're not going to stay about this. Because it's natural for man. You ever heard of the second law of thermodynamics? Everything has a tendency of running down toward disorder and chaos. Did you know without a special effort 
and the strength from the Lord, your life will easily go downhill into chaos. And after a while, you won't even know who you are, what you are, what you're supposed to be doing. And you'll be surprised how your whole life can be totally changed from the dedication that you have at this moment. The devil can work on you. And buddy, he does he ever work. This hand represents you and me. The Bible says that God loves us and there's no difference. We're all the same. He's not a respecter of persons. The Lord says that we've all sinned. We've all done things wrong. We cannot save ourselves by our works. We need a Savior. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. I'd have to be forgiven of all of my sins. Because to pay for it, if I pay for them, I go to hell. So if God can forgive me and not hold me accountable, well, then I'd get to go to heaven. So God says you cannot earn your way to heaven. You need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world, and he didn't have any sin, so he didn't have to die. But because he was the Lamb sent into the world without spot, without blemish, he took all of the sins of all the world upon himself. And God allowed his son to die for our sins. He came back again from the dead and says, all that we have to do is if we'll believe that he did it for us, he would put that payment to our account. And we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight, maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I want you to know God does love you. He doesn't love you any more or any less, but he does love you. But why not right now, if you've never done so, or if you're listening by internet tonight, would you trust the Lord? Believe that he died and paid for your sins. Would you trust him to take you to heaven when you die? God said if you would believe that, he would give you the free gift of eternal life. Never cast you out and never lose you. And if you're making that decision, I'd like to have prayer for you. I can't save you. Raising your hand won't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, preacher, that made sense to me, and I believe it. I believe Christ died for me, and I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven. If you've never done it, and you'll do it right now, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? You and I that have trusted Christ as our Savior, you see the joy that we can have. That's why whenever they tell us a report about the Friday night soul winning, you ought to be so happy. You just made another deposit into your account. When James leads somebody to the Lord or anybody else in this ministry, when you lead people to Christ, because in this ministry, by our encouraging one another, we pass on our tracks, we buy books, we sell CDs, we try to get the gospel into the hands of anybody we can, there's fruit being placed into your account as though you did it. So you didn't have to always do it, but you make it possible. Father, thank you so much for this church and these people who see and understand this. Bless each one, and we thank you for all you've done for us in Christ's name. Amen.